It's all about you. It's all about you, baby. I had the fantastic pleasure of being interviewed by Kat Orman at BBC Radio Oxford last week. I was on to chat about mental well-being and how I'm supporting other breast cancer patients through their own tough time. And I thought Kat's line of questioning was really candid. Um, it was direct and she was also very thoughtful. Uh, I have to laugh that I actually gave out the wrong website address at the end of my own business. So honestly, seriously, uh, just for the record, it is actually 365 days of breastcancer.com, not what I said. Thank you very much. I've tagged on to the end. Um, one minute I gave a chat about also for mental well-being, which um, I really enjoyed doing. I hope you enjoy it too and let me know what you think. This podcast is sponsored and supported by 365 days of breastcancer.com. Now, how many of you have received flowers when you haven't been feeling well? It's normally the go-to gift, isn't it? Bunch of flowers, tub of grapes. Now, my next guest has received her fair share when battling cancer, having 42 bouquets delivered in 50 weeks. Uh, but this made her think. What's more sustainable and useful for someone fighting cancer than flowers? My next guest is here to tell me all with her new plan to support people who've been through the very trauma that she has endured herself with her 365 days of breast cancer. Mother, entrepreneur, survivor. That's uh, the most important one. Deborah Fielding, it's lovely to have you here. Oh, it's really lovely to be here. I wish people could see this gorgeous studio you've created. <laughs> it's like walking into Hawaii somewhere. Yeah, well, it is, isn't it? And, you know, we don't often mention it, actually, but we've got flower garlands everywhere. You have. It's gorgeous, yeah. We've, uh, we've got some... Uh, Makes we... you smile. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I would imagine that you've done a lot more smiling in recent months because, I mean, your life changed. Last February, February. of 2018... You, you were sat down in a consultation room. I was. I was. Call, I, went, I was called for a recall, and I mean, so you'd, you'd had breast cancer screening. So you'd had. You'd yeah, had I that. went for a general screening. A general screening. I, I live in Marlow, and so I went to this screening, um, which you know everybody's offered, and didn't think anything of it at all. It was a cold February morning. Uh, she had problems with the machine. I was impatient, and you know. Anyway, off I went, and then I got a recall, and I thought oh, it's because the machine didn't work partly, and not one time while I was in there. Not one time did I think there was something wrong, which is incredible when I look back. And it makes me laugh a bit now because I think how naive were you really? But other people say that because other people that have been diagnosed with cancer you know, always say it doesn't happen to me, it doesn't happen to my family, it happens to other it's people. It's weird, it's just weird. And actually I went on my own even, you know, nobody came with me because I was so not thinking, I just didn't think. Um, so I walked into the... Um, consulting room and the doctor it was very quiet and hushed I remember and dark and she had the two screens up with uh, my images on there and she just said we're here today to talk about a tumour and I thought oh I've never seen a tumour before how exciting and then part of my brain kicked in and said no no Deborah she's not going to show you somebody else's and I'm kind of looking over my shoulder to see who else was in the room and as I look back at her she was so lovely because she just was patient and waited um, because she must have this all the time where people don't take it in. And I looked at her and said, oh, you mean my tumour? 
And she said, that's right. She said, sit down. And so as I sat down, the old Deborah was left behind, stood by that chair. And that was it, gone. Your brain and everything's altered beyond measure after that. Mm. Yeah. What kind of person were you then? Um, a lesser version of what I am now, if you want the honest truth. Um, I was lively. I'm a single mother of two strapping teenagers and life was hectic, but it was all about my children and getting them into a great space. And um, I've got amazing friends around me. Uh, I love going to the ballet and um, I was, I'm an ex-dancer. And so going to the Royal Opera House is everything for me. Um, did, you, did you perform that? Oh, gosh, what a gorgeous question. The reason I gave up dancing is because I was never good enough to perform on the Royal Opera House stage. And so I'm an all or nothing kind of a girl. And so I stopped. <laughs> uh, but I love sitting there now. And uh, it, oh, my gosh, I can't tell you how much I love that mm. so much. So, And that remains in my life. It's a big part of my recovery, actually. So you left that consultation room. I did, with, a different person. With a life-changing diagnosis. Yeah. And... What do you do? Where do you go? What's the first phone call you make? Oh, well, I'm quite a chatty person and I didn't make any phone calls. I remember getting in the car. I turned the radio off and just remember thinking, gosh, this is really quiet in here. And I remember phoning somebody. And to this day, I don't know who that person was. It wasn't a friend. It was somebody really remote. And I just needed to say the words. And then after I told that person, whoever it was, um... I didn't tell anyone for a week. I just remained really quiet and had everything to myself. Um, is, is that because if you start telling lots of people, then it becomes incredibly real? Yeah, maybe. And also people, I wasn't prepared for um, the people's questions or, you know, my friend's interrogation or their shock and upset. Or I just wanted to be with it on my own um, and get myself prepared, I suppose, looking back on it. I wasn't thinking that consciously at the time I was uh, in my own world but looking back I think it was a protection mechanism more so, than anything so yeah. you're building up the armor to fight I think so to fight this cancer yeah well mentally to fight it because I just think I always said I'm not fighting cancer my body will do all the work for me and I will work with my body but the fight was always a mental fight um because gosh it can pull you down um and so yeah, I, f I fought for my mental capacity and I don't believe you can get through anything unless you're in a good mental state and your mental state is worth every fight, mm. yeah. So you've, you've got to be mentally and, and physically prepared, of course, for the treatment that you <sighs> would then start to endure. Yeah, so I had surgery first. It's not always the same route for everybody, but for me, I had surgery first and uh, my surgeon was amazing. He was old school, um, did a great job. I was really well looked after. Um, and then when I went back for the result of that surgery, I was really excited to see him because he's done such an amazing job. I, if I was brave enough, I would have put a picture of my boob <laughs> on social media because it looks so good. <laughs> um, but I'm not that brave. Uh, so I went back and uh, was really excited to share that with him. And he was really subdued. And I thought, whatever's the matter with him, I'm going to have him after he's done this examination. So I sat down and, and he was writing and as he looked up, I just looked at him and I went, oh no, I could just feel this awful energy coming off him. And he didn't know how to say um, that I'd got what's called HER2 positive, which is an aggressive cancer. So I should have really been in for surgery and radiotherapy and walked away in a way. Um, but that changed everything. And so I ended up having 54 weeks of treatment with chemo, radiotherapy, immunotherapy, 
Um, I mean, the astonishing thing is that actually this all started because you went for breast a screening, routine screening, a routine breast yeah, screening. Yeah, which I encourage everyone to do, yeah. Which says to me that there were no symptoms. None. So my surgeon and I looked at each other quite candidly and I said to him, I'm very lucky, aren't I? He said, you really are. He said, because by the time this presented itself, you'd be in a, we'd have a very different conversation, you know, maybe a no help conversation. It's chilling, isn't it? It is. It's incredible. Just the thought of that. It was just the timing. You, you had mentally prepared yourself. But what about when you had started to tell all your friends, but certainly your, your family, how did they help and support you? And because that it's, it's often actually the family, the people around that person that has had that kind of diagnosis that just don't know how to deal with it. And it sometimes affects them in, in, a, in, a, in a different a way. way. It in does. A, it does. Kat, I quite agree with you. Um, I remember telling two friends individually and we were walking and they just stopped and stared at me and went, Debs, Debs, you know, and there was, there was just all this. And inside I was really calm. I was thinking, what's the matter with them? I'll sort it out and we'll just move on. That's what will happen. Um, but they were really freaked out beyond measure. Um, and I feel it's hard when you're looking in on somebody with a cancer diagnosis because you just don't know what to say to them. You know, as somebody once said to me that we feel like we're walking on eggshells with you, Deborah. And I said, oh, what, you too? And they said, oh, is everybody like it? I said, no, I feel like that because I don't know what's happening, you know, from one minute to the next. It's, it was so alarming. It's like skidding in a fast car on oil and water. That's how it feels, especially when you're on chemotherapy. You've got not a clue what's coming to you. But I've got tremendous friends. I don't, you know, I'm so blessed with my friends. Um, I was so well looked after. And I know for a fact I would never have got through those six gruelling rounds of chemo I had without them. I know that. Yeah. What you're doing now is helping other people that have been diagnosed with cancer. And because you, you thought very long and hard because of, it was really the flowers, wasn't it, I suppose, the, the 42 bouquets that yeah. you've received over the, the period of, of your treatment. Yeah. That you thought, this is lovely and, you know, you're oh, never going to knock back, back a bunch of flowers. No, I mean, gorgeous. It was gorgeous. But mm. they're quite costly. And you thought, well, this money could be used in a different way, but to help others. Yeah, I felt... Um, a bunch of flowers is a wonderful thing, for sure, but when you're going through something so traumatic, having some further support from somebody that knows what they're talking about. I mean, I stood right in the middle. I stared down the black hole. I looked at um, death and everything, being really honest so about it. So how did it. you deal with that if you were looking at death? Because that was that was another question that I, yeah, no, I, I, I've hesitated to ask you. But of course, no, when ahead, you think yeah. of cancer, and not so much these days, because modern medicine is is such that people fight it they survive it yeah but there's still the element of i'm is, going to die and you're right modern medicine is incredible it is absolutely and there you know there are people living with serious cancers for a long time and that's just breathtaking uh, you know i was with somebody last night uh, that's got the same and so i kind of felt that it was just the one night, it was about three or four in the morning and I came downstairs after not long after I'd been diagnosed and just stared at it. And I just thought, I don't know, is the truth. I don't know. I was never frightened of it. I was more frightened when I was on chemo, actually, because I never knew what was happening there. And that was really terrifying. Um, but then you just start to live with it and realise, actually, I could be in a far worse place. And you have to get a grip of yourself. And that's the mental game, isn't it? Mm. But you are a survivor. I am. 
<laughs> I am. When, when did more you, ways than one. When did, you, <laughs> when did you know, and you've got a smile that would light up any room as well, but when did you know that that the news was good and, and you were a survivor and you could call yourself a survivor? Um, well, that's a great question, Kat. It really is. If you want the honest truth from day one for me, because I was having none of it, I don't know. It could have turned out very differently, of course. But I was having my life and I was going to work with the doctors. I was going to do the best for me. I know I've got a great mental capacity. I know that. Um, and so I swung into action and I've learned so much about myself and other people. And that's it's an incredible thing. Um, it's given me so much without sounding... What are you most proud of it, that you said that you've learned so much about yourself? What, 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 what are your virtues that you're most proud of now that you perhaps didn't know about before? Oh... I don't know. I want to say I, I know that I'm quite a strong person, but the resilience I found in myself and the understanding mm. of life, of my life, of other people's lives. I tell you what, actually, if you want, that's a great question. The best thing I've found is before I was on the hustle all the time, you know, pushing. I had my own business since the day I left school. I've always been working for myself and it's been go, 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 you know, and that's been my mentality. And since I've had cancer, I've realized that's not the case sit back and sometimes life is really happy to come to you and I don't need to do this hustle all the time um, and so I've stopped mm. I don't mean I'm not working, I work really hard but on the right things and I feel that I'm guided to things and... It shifts the focus doesn't it, it? so you focus does. on the right things. things present themselves mm. to you and you think that's where I'm at, you know I'm doing things I love, I'm not tolerating other things that I don't love anymore. Well a big focus in your life is 360 days of breast cancer projects so tell us yeah. a bit more about that So I, I a friend of mine uh, who also runs a business was trying to get me propped back up, really, um, because sadly I closed my business down midway through chemo when I realised I couldn't do everything. And so um, she said, you know, it'd be great for you to step into that that space and offer people support. Could you do that with a message a day? And I looked at her. I was, I'd was i gone completely cold when she said it. She said, what's the matter? I said, did I tell you about my book I'm writing? So she <laughs> said, no. I said, it's called 365 Days of Breast Cancer and it's not my story. It's inspirational messages, one a day. She said, oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, it was just a moment, really, an entrepreneur's dream, really, because we were both like just that's amazing. Mm. And so we built the whole thing together and and made it um, good to send out to people. And that's what I started do doing. So I launched it on May the 15th in the morning, had my last immunotherapy treatment in the afternoon and then I had a group of people um, together to say thank you for looking after me through chemotherapy and that was a big old day <laughs> uh, so yeah it's out there and um, oh it's been so well received people love the messages what kind of give us an idea of, of the messages uh, so they're things like um, you know like the first day I particularly remember is is titled breathe and it's just saying you know you're gonna to have to take some big deep breath during this don't be frightened to just keep breathing in and out it's a shock you've had to your system um another one is um, relentless is one of the words and you know that cancer comes at you relentlessly your mind's filled with it everything changes and it can feel relentless but hold on tight and hang on in there because it can change and will change if you just steer your mind in the right direction and I suppose you know the messages as well that you shouldn't define yourself by that 
Absolutely. I, one of the other messages actually is um, happiness. And I, I remember saying happiness versus cancer doesn't seem a match, but actually happiness is a choice. And all the way through my treatment, as much as it was savage at times and other times I was in an easier space, I chose to try and hold on to the happiness and see around me the things that made me happy. Mm. Um, and you've got a choice to do that. And it's worth fighting for. Absolutely. Yeah. You're... In a weird way, your tumour gave you so much more than you'd ever had before in terms of the quality of your life. It did. Which seems a sort of astonishing thing, a bizarre thing to say. Yeah, it does. Um, You know, I don't say this to everyone, I'm saying it live on the radio now, but I I feel that it gave me more than it took. Um, I've received so much and actually, you know, if it all came to an end next week, I'm really grateful for this last 18 months I've experienced because I'm... I feel like I'm alive and vital and in my life and um, recognising a lot of beautiful things. I was always grateful, a grateful person before, but my, oh my, that's gone on to another level now and that's a beautiful thing. So I focus on, I choose to focus on that because you can focus on the rubbish and I've had a battle with that over last year. You know, you can see bad things around you too Um and things that are in your life that are upsetting or that you'd rather not be that way. I've been through all of that. I think I went mentally woo-woo at one point, right off the scale. You know, you're really fighting for yourself. Um, but I wrestled everything down and I'm I'm in a good space now, you know, and I choose to try and live above the line rather than below it and avoid things that will drag me down. And you're helping others who are I, fighting which is cancer. My thing. It's my thing. I've always done that probably, probably since I was eight years old, if I'm being truthful. It's been a natural thing for me. And to, to step into that space now is a real beautiful thing. I'm delighted to be able to do it. And uh, I've re- received some gorgeous um, messages back, you know, how it's helped and how it's supporting people. And not just from the person receiving it, but from the, the person that sent it as a gift, um, because that's a reminder of them every day. Mm. Um, and so the whole thing marries together really lovely. You're having and, quite the effect. Yeah, it's a gorgeous support. And I know what people need to hear. I know what I needed to hear. You know, it's not about staying positive. I feel like punching people on the face when they <laughs> say that to me um you know it's like it's almost like saying you weren't positive before and that's why you've got it which is ridiculous um so you know i know what people need to hear i know how to underpin them i know how to keep a good solid foundation for people Mm. and so if i can do that um in some small way every day when someone's feeling absolutely rubbish how can people get hold of this this book okay so it's 365 days of com. And you go on there, there's a little video of me um, just chatting about it and all the instructions as to how you can gift it to somebody. And it's a lovely thing to to see. So um, it's it's really easy. It's it's like buying a bunch of flowers. I've made it that simple um, because that's what people are used to. Um, and that's but it has much more of a lasting effect. Yeah, it does a, a whole year, a, a lifetime of support mm. after that as well. So a gift that lasts a year support for a lifetime. Deborah Fielding, thank you so much for coming. Oh, no, You're thank you. Total inspiration. Thank you, thank you so much. Hi, I'm Deborah Fielding, entrepreneur, mother to two very tall teenagers and a cancer survivor. My mental health moment is having had cancer can challenge you in so many ways and lots of people say to you, You are going to fight this, aren't you? You're going to fight it. But actually, does your body need any more fighting it when it's trying to recover and get well? So I knew I had to work with my body and I knew it was not going to let me down. It was going to do as best a job as it could and I I was going to support it. But the fight 
And the battle, for me, was to keep your mental space well, to keep yourself healthy and fight for your good thoughts and keep you in a good space. Because what I learned during my cancer treatment is your body can't possibly follow if your mind's in a bad space. And that's not to say I didn't have some super down moments. In fact, I think it's because I had those down moments I understood how important it was to pull my mental self up. And so I built a team of people around me to help me through the treatment. So I didn't have to concentrate on that. I could concentrate on me. And that was how I got through treatment. Otherwise, I don't believe I would have made it through. You got to hold.